Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. Hi, and welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking. This week, Denise and I have a very special guest from Essex, and that is Nova Lewis. Hello. <laughs> welcome. It's been a while. <laughs> it certainly has. <laughs> Hello to both of you. It's lovely to see you both. Hi, it's great to have you on here. I know we, we haven't spoken before, have we? So uh, I shall let you and Denise chat away for a little bit and then I'll interrupt at a suitable moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nova and I met when, when Sheila first ran Connections. And so we've known each other a couple of years now, which is great. And I'd love to hear about her journey um, to to moving your practice originally. You, you were a therapist or counsellor. What was your original qualification? No, no. So originally I done a year in counselling. So I didn't mm -hmm. qualify or anything like that and fell pregnant with my first son. <laughs> and Oops. But, but, yeah, but really felt at that time that the counselling um, route wasn't wasn't for me. Um, mm -hmm. I just I did, couldn't get the feel of me being more of a listener than actually doing stuff I wanted to do something shall we say mm -hmm. um and then from there um going through my own journey of depression and anxiety and OCD and post-traumatic stress disorder uh, back in 2011 that all started um I went through my own journey of different therapies to try and sort out my own mind um, and eventually stumbled across a hypnotherapist. Um, nothing else had worked for me. Um, so I went to see her and finally something started to work. Mm -hmm. And it seems by the time that I finished working with her, she was asking my advice. And I kind of sat there and thought, Am I missing the trick? Am I missing something? <laughs> so I ended up asking her, how do you become a hypnotherapist? She yeah. told me, I finished my therapy with her, registered myself onto the next course, and that was it. That's how which, my... Which training course did you take? So I done the psychotherapy and hypnotherapy um course with the Essex Institute okay yeah okay yes you, and that was the start of my journey no but do you <laughs> do you find this um lived experience you've had is useful um you know in, in attracting clients and letting people know that you've been there sort of thing and you can help them it it certainly does help I think for me, there's nothing more beneficial when somebody comes in or I'm speaking to somebody on the phone and they say that they're going through something or they've been through something and I can actually relate to it because I've either been through similar or I've been through the same. And I am very open with my clients and I will say, 
I've been through that and I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it kind of puts the client's mind at ease because mm-hmm. they think I'm not alone with this. Somebody actually does understand mm. and it's a therapist and she understands me. She knows what I'm going through. So in that sense, I think it really does help. And for me, it's kind of what, helping others, it's what makes me tick. It makes me happy to see the finished product with my clients, knowing Mm -hmm. that I've helped them and that I've been through that journey and know what it's like. It's fantastic. There's There's no better feeling in the world for me. And I love it. I love what I do. Mm. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, empathy and rapport is everything, isn't it? In in therapy. Yeah. I mean, w- w- without a good rapport, that you know, there yeah. is no therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, as you say, being able to share your journey and let them see you've come out of the other side, yeah. and that you have, you know, the know how to help them make the same thing. Um, yeah. I always think it's great. It's the same with me with weight loss clients. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was twenty one stone. Um, and I know I, you've done fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I've managed to keep it off. That's the thing. That's yeah. the all important thing um, is actually keeping it off and having a new relationship with food and a new lifestyle. So once yeah. clients know when they've, they've seen the before photographs and they realise I've been there, that helps obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about you, Denise? Because you're obviously you're a medical doctor background. Uh, I'm going to ban you from saying that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Mine was similar because I knew I couldn't go back to practicing medicine full time or even part time, really, uh, because of my illness. I want but I wanted to do something that made use of that. So I trained Mm. as a health coach, but it didn't quite check the box of me doing sort of me passing on information. Mm. I I didn't feel as much part of that journey. Um, But I was in. People were successful with it and it was nice to talk mm. to people and you know but um I decided that I would add hypnosis I, I fell into hypnosis I found an introductory course that was free a one month course that just a little bit about the history and a couple of inductions and you know a taster course mm. uh, for the main main event and um the men I think by the second class I was completely hooked that's mm. what I want to be doing it just and I'm so furious that I didn't learn it when I was a doctor I should have mm. I, should, I should have I should have been introduced to this before just, that's the main reason I do this but we don't have huge amounts of time so let's not remiss, reminisce too much about our own journeys um, <laughs> Nova suggested a very good topic for us to talk about and that is the cost of living crisis both sides of the Atlantic, although mm. the price has calmed down a little bit because of things they put in place that at least are helping for now. But I know that for Nova in particular, the housing crisis, which is still raging here, rental has gone through the roof. There are no houses to buy, even if you could afford the mortgage rates have gone up astronomically. I mean, they're, they're not as bad as they were when I first entered the housing mm. market almost 40 years ago, but they're very close. They're only half a point off. Um, But I think that um, talking about how that affects our clients would be really beneficial. Mm. Um, And it's certainly interesting to us, maybe not to the viewers, but they can always watch the next episode if they don't want to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I, from from my part, when it comes to sort of finances and self-care and what have you, if somebody's Mm -hmm. stressed, if somebody's, 
totally freaked out because everything's going wrong money-wise, it is so difficult to take a step back and get back from the emotional mind into the intellectual one to try and reason things out. Because we all know with any financial situation, ultimately, we have to deal with it, whether that's by asking for help from citizens' advice, whether it's sitting down with the bank manager, whatever. We, you know, we need to be able to take a step back and deal with things logically, but we can't right. do that when we're under too much stress. Right, yeah. And, and of course, the stresses are different for different people. Mm. I worry about some things, but I have my retirement funds I can yank on if I need to. Um, but for some people, it's, am I going to feed the children today? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, those are really big issues. Here, if you lose your job, you lose your health insurance. That at least isn't happening in the UK, but you've got raging inflation right now. Mm -hmm. I gather that we've been a little sidetracked by our midterm elections here. So I haven't been following Prime Minister's question time as I usually do. <laughs> but I'm assuming it's pretty much the same. It's it, and, and now we're going into the season that traditionally people overspend anyway, even if they're reasonably safe, they can run themselves into trouble. So how would you approach somebody who came to you that was feeling overwhelmed because of that Nova? Since it, um, you came up with the idea, I'll throw yeah. it back to you. <laughs> I, I actually have clients that, they can't afford um, the full price of oh, yeah. they can They cannot. And for me, as much as, yes, I need the money too, but at the same time, I will help out my clients as much as I can because yeah. if I can sort out one thing for them and that's their mental health and actually making them feel a little bit better in themselves in order to be able to do the things that they need to do, then I will reduce my cost. And I do, you know, I do reduce my cost for, for clients that need my help, clients that are, you know, on benefits or they're on a low income. You know, not, not everyone can, are able to afford our help. And again, remembering with myself, but back when I needed therapy, and I would not suggest this to anyone, but at the time I didn't have the money. So I went and got a credit card to be able to pay for my therapy. Um, and I, please don't do that because I don't suggest that to do that to anyone. But that's what I did because right. it was so bad for me. I, the worry that I have with the cost of living crisis is the effect on people's mental health we've come out of covid and now we have this cost of living crisis and if people were are choosing parents i'm going to feed my kids and i can't feed myself and we need to heat the home mm -hmm. the effects on the brain from lack of food not yeah. having the right nutrition, it does affect the brain um, and it does and it will cause mental health problems. And that at the end of this, when we do come out of this with COVID, with now this cost of living crisis, what next? You know, it's like the mental health crisis in the UK is bad enough as it is. You know, the waiting list on NHS service, six months to a year just to get an appointment. Yeah. So how bad is it going to get and we know that our nhs is and the effect on children and their yes. mental health 
Exactly. And we know that a lot of mental health does start in childhood. Mm. Insecurity. Nova, can I ask how old are your children? So I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. Okay, so they've both spent approximately 20% of their lives in lockdown. Which yes. At those ages, I mean, a year seems to last forever. You know, you remember waiting yeah. from between your 10th and your 11th birthday, it lasts forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- th- they have been through two years of lockdown. And then, yeah. as you say now, you know, um, we're into this cost of living crisis. I mean, you're, you're a mum with young children. How have prices affected you? Because I know even, you know, at this end of the country and there's just two in our house to feed. I'm noticing it when we're in the supermarket. Yeah. I, I, You know, I'm spending 30% more than I was a year ago to get the same things. Yeah, yeah. So some people are getting the same things, spending 30% more. Other people are only able to get 30% less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've now we've had to set a budget on how much we can spend a day on food. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that, because obviously, you know, heating's gone up, food has gone up so much, something has to give. So mm. there's, you know, we have to have that budget on what we can spend. And if we overspend, then it's yeah. like, well, the children, they're not going to get those and we're not yeah. going to get and those and- that we like. Right. And there's those other things like kids who manage to wear the same pair of shoes for four or five months. And then suddenly they go up a whole size and just seems yeah. to be overnight. And it's, oh, it's yes. you've got oh, to buy yes. shoes. <laughs> so what means. aren't you going to eat in order to have money for that? Yeah. This budgeting. Exactly. Is- yeah, I know. And it's, it's, it really is hard. Mm. It, it is very difficult. I mean, lockdown for us, actually wasn't that bad because I've got two children with special needs so for them not being at school they quite enjoyed not being at school how did it affect you though homeschooling them it, it was it was hard <laughs> and they yeah they were pretty they were refusing to to do it to do homeschooling yeah. and they found that very difficult it was actually getting them back to school because they struggle with change so yeah. getting them back to school, that was that's the hard part. And that is still a struggle now, mm. actually mm-hmm. being at school since the lockdown. Mm. Yeah. It's really right. hard. A lot a lot of people are struggling with. Yeah. yeah. You, and even if even if we weren't in the cost of living crisis, that would still be a struggle. So. <laughs> yeah. And going, that's another sorry. Sorry, mine. Okay, I was just going to say, just going back to um, financial crisis thing for a minute or two, I'm just touching on something Nova said about credit cards. I I know we've put that section Mm -hmm. away, but what what happens with certain people when they are in dire financial straits and, you know, the emotional brain takes over and they start spending on a credit card uncontrollably? Um, Logically, they know they shouldn't do that but the emotional brain takes over. And it's the same thing with eating. Logically, you know you shouldn't consume more calories than you're going to burn off, but nevertheless, you'll still do it because, you know, you're in your primitive brain. Um, you know, I, I think as part of this mental health crisis that we're having at the moment, that you know, we've yet to see the results of people starting to do desperate things like that because of the situation. Um, it's the kind of thing people do when they are in dire straits they'll they'll just carry on regardless 
Um, yeah. You know, especially with uh, major holidays coming up, mm. where overspending happens even the best of times. Yeah, Unw- unwise spending. You know, the the mm. guilt. Of, you know, I can't. I can't. I'll buy you five books, okay? But I, you know, I'll buy you a bike and of this, and of that, and the other. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, and it's very difficult for people. Yeah. Well, else, I mean, that's the marketeers again. They, you know, talking of hypnosis, they know exactly how to get under people's skin and make you feel that your life is going to be so fabulous once you have this product. Um, mm-hmm. You know, didn't realize you needed yet. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, your life will be perfect once you drink this drink or eat this food and we'll all be sat around happy eating just like on the tele commercials. And that's yeah. how they get under the skin and create that, as we were talking about before, fear of missing out. Yeah. And I think the other thing as well, <clears throat> big thing is addiction. Mm. So people are seeing things all, oh, you know, spend money on this, like gambling mm. or, you know, on an advert. You'll win X amount of money. Mm-hmm. People that are desperate, they're going to say, well, I'll just do a little bit. I'll just do a little bit right. and I'll just try and win some money. Mm. That, that, that that's something bit, Nova you've hit on because it correct me if I'm wrong, Denise. I think it's still the case, isn't it? Online gambling's banned in the States. Yeah, but over here you don't have online casinos and things. We we've got we've got workarounds. It's right, not part right. of the culture I move in, but yeah, there. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of. It's a big thing over here, you know, especially on a Friday and Saturday night about ten o'clock oh, when they yeah. know people have come home from the pub had a few drinks and the resistance is low. All these gambling and online casino things come on television that horrendous. Yeah. When you think in this country actual casinos that your physical ones that you go into are so strictly governed there's no alcohol at the tables you have to go to a separate bar area to drink alcohol you can't tip the croupiers it's really really strictly controlled and yet this online stuff is it's just a free-for-all mm-hmm. uh, that talk about consumer addictions that is terrible absolutely terrible and when people are desperate and they need money it's so easy. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to access. And mm. and that, and then it just draws you in. And that's it. Right. But let's pivot slightly. How would you address a client who came to you who can't afford your services properly, <laughs> but recognizes they're in free fall and they need help? What kinds of things would you offer them? Firstly, a reduction in price that's <laughs> affordable to them, that is affordable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Once we've established that, then, I mean, I, I do a number of different therapies. So <laughs> I'm kind of, in a way, I, I suppose, I'm, I, I feel blessed in the different things that I've learned that I can teach to my clients. So mm-hmm. I can use hypnotherapy to help them with their gambling addiction. I can use brain working recursive therapy, mm-hmm. or BWRT for short. That's another one that I like to use um, with addiction. Um, psychotherapy, a combination of therapies basically to, to stop. I think a big part of gambling is um, lots of OCD behaviors with gambling that um, the compulsion to want to do it but then there's a reason behind it why they're doing mm-hmm. it so I look at the reason first you know why are you doing this what is the situation and then start working on that 
What about somebody who's come who doesn't have a gambling issue because they haven't got two cents anyway, uh, but they've got three kids to feed and people keep growing, uh, growing their shoes and <laughs> all those things. And Christmas is coming. What what kinds of things do you have? A lot of people say, I'd really like to come to you, but I can't afford to pay, spend money on myself. Um, do you, uh, most of us will work a sliding scale for those who truly need it. Um, yeah. And a few, a few times pro bono as well. But yeah. Um, are there different different things that you would offer to somebody who's, you know, being evicted because they can't pay the rent and it's nearly Christmas and they've got three kids? What what kinds of things would you offer? Do you or are you able because of your experience to point them to the right people to get help? Definitely, from? yeah, yeah, and that 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 is it. Um, it's my experience, the things that I know. And, and helping them to look into stuff as well. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they don't know what, what exactly they need to do. So right. I would so over, I'd definitely help them with that, yeah. Right, yeah, it's, it's the overwhelm. I think it's that that's where we can really help. Mm. It's like, yeah. Slow yeah. it down a little bit and look at each piece of the puzzle, yeah. the problem. Yeah. yeah, and deal with right. it bit by bit, as you said, the pieces of the puzzle. And it's so true. What you know someone that's going through a crisis it just seems like so much all at once mm. and it's all on top mm-hmm. of them but just by breaking it down into sections which is what I like to do and then just start dealing with that bit by bit and then you're mm-hmm. taking that burden away from the client from the person mm-hmm. um and, and helping them in any way that you can that's it. It's about changing their perceptions of things as well. And what I find useful is to look for exceptions to when they're not feeling overwhelmed and to get them to talk about how they are during these exceptions. And it puts them again in the correct frame of mind. And also for them to identify exceptions in their past where they've managed to, you know, complete things, deal with things and get on top of things. And that just reminds them of their inner strengths and again, helps with their mindset to deal with yeah. things. Um, Cause uh, you know, again, as we've said, ultimately with all these things, people need to address them for themselves, whether that's seeking help through the correct agencies. Um, I mean, that's another thing at the moment, we have people now in this country going into financial crises that have never experienced it before. I mean, I'm 58. I can remember interest rates being something like 15% in the 80s and the value of my house halving over 12 months. You know, that's how it was um, and being trapped in negative equity. Um, People who are sort of 40 and under have never known high interest rates, never known high mortgage rates. And you've got people now with mortgages that are increasing. Suddenly they're finding themselves made redundant. Okay, we've not had mass redundancies over here yet, but, you know, it's coming. Um, for sure it will Um, and people are really having to tighten the belts that have never done it before you know they're not they wouldn't know where to start and you know the the shame to them of having to go to a food bank to use a food bank yeah people in what you would regard as relatively good jobs and yes they've managed fine up until say six months ago suddenly realizing that that shopping bag full of groceries is really helpful to them and makes Mm -hmm. a big difference yeah and it means, for example, they can spend that £30 on a pair of shoes for the child that's just outgrown some rather yeah. than on shopping. Um, and I, I think that will affect those people's mental health and well-being 
to suddenly feel, you know, like, you know, you've got a couple there, a man and a woman that both work in full time. Like, you know, why do I need to go to a food bank? Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the shame they may feel with that, which they shouldn't feel, but unfortunately they do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think um, a lot of people are going to be suffering with the mental health for this. Yeah. I, I think that's a nice spot to say that, you know, for anybody who's watching this, that maybe, yeah. you know, on the uppers, there is help out there. There are there a is. lot of nice people out it there. Is it, sometimes it's difficult to, to acknowledge that when we look out yeah. the window and we see a miserable world or we see bad news on yeah. the television. There is help out there. Never despair that much. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are agencies out there that can help. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, I certainly yeah. haven't been in that kind of situation before. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are. There is a lot of good in the world. There are a lot of nice people. Yeah. It's the same with us. You know. Okay, we're all private therapists. We work outside of the health service. We charge privately. But you know, we do our best providing these videos that hopefully may help some people and make them yeah. feel better, give them a bit of hope. Yeah, and that's it. It is having that hope and realising that you're not on your own. You're not on your right. own through whatever you're going through, that there are, right. there's people that care. As therapists, we care. Um, and yeah. when an individual's going through that, they can always resolve to accept the help and yeah. pay it forward. When they're yes. no longer in that situation, Yes, they can help the next yes. person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah yeah i think yeah i think you've hit the nail there denise because obviously if somebody's reluctant to accept help because they've never been in that position yeah if they get in that mindset as well in the future i will pass this forward mm-hmm. yeah i think that's i think that's a, a lovely way to look at something do you have do you have anything you would advise if you were seeing a client who's worried about this now but as we're moving into this relatively expect it's not uncommon for people who've got reasonable incomes and security to run up major debt and because it's not plastic isn't real and in january and february suddenly they have to tighten the belt a little bit yeah or they're going to carry on and be paying ridiculous interest because the interest rates have risen um how would you how would you help a a a a current client deal with that and, and not overspend not get out what 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 issues are they addressing perhaps not as appropriate as they might want what issues are they addressing why are they doing that why do we all do it to some extent I think the first thing is for them to have a checklist a spreadsheet something so they know if certain things happen this is what we can do if we get Mm -hmm. into this situation be prepared Mm -hmm. always be ready at least then if you have that that's going to take a little bit of the strain off of you um Mm -hmm. if things were to happen if that financial difficulty did happen what can you do right but what i'm talking about is getting yourself into it it's just like you've still got the same job yeah still living in the same house but you've managed to give yourself a I don't know, five, six thousand pound credit card bill that you don't, you know, that's outside of your normal situation. Most people don't have bags of money in the bank waiting for eventualities. Is is there are there things that you would help them work on 
I mean, sometimes it's from guilt. I, I, your, your, your dad and I are both working. We're not home with you, so we'll buy you ridiculously expensive Christmas presents. Yeah. Do, do you help people work through things like that to figure out what the what the trigger is that makes them yes. do that? Yeah, definitely. So looking at what the issues are, again, like we said before, what the issues are behind it, what's causing those feelings, dealing with the guilt. Um, Dealing with the what ifs. There's a lot of what ifs in therapy. Mm -hmm. the, the worry, the what, what's coming next? What if that happens? If it does, we can deal with it. We can talk through that. We can, I think a lot with, especially money, as you said, it's guilt. The mm. guilt that we feel and working through that with therapy. What about um, that, uh, the spendaholic, you know, the dopamine hit they get from constantly spending, especially online? Again, yeah, again, the same thing. It's the excitement of spending and the high mm. that that can give you. Well, you're not, it's not the high from spending. It's a, it's a high from acquiring mm. and forgetting and forgetting that spent money has to be <laughs> found yes. somewhere. Exactly. And then dealing with the fallout of that and again it goes back to that to guilt isn't it and like you say that's just reminded me of something really strange that happened once i was in ikea with nick and we'd spent about four hours in ikea going around and getting bits and filling the basket or you know a load of crap that we didn't realize we needed um got to the checkout and there was something like a one hour late a wait rather and Nick said, oh, sod that, and just left the trolley there, and we left the store. And then when we got outside, he said, that was really good. He said, I felt like I'd been shopping, but it didn't cost me anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe we should try walking our, our clients in trance through, like, through a shopping somewhere. thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can feel like that they are shopping, but, yeah. Could be an idea to do. <laughs> be a bit hard to deliver the imaginary gifts to your kids though at Christmas Day. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, I think there is. Um, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, just maybe a really, really long tunnel. And there are people who are available to help, including yeah. hypnotherapists. And if one guy says no, I can't work with your budget, then there's somebody else in the phone book, undoubtedly. Um, Having listened to the, the, the bid on qualifications, who <laughs> makes a good hypnotherapist. Um, yeah. But but I think that a lot of what we're dealing with, it's been an escalation of I I everybody is equal. This is absolutely true. We are all equal. But a lot of people's pocketbooks are different size. And and we've gotten used to spending more than we used to when I grew up my grandmother lived in a two up two down she had eight kids mm. <laughs> not at the time when I was around but they, I mean she had all the kids but they were grown um but now we expect to have larger homes we expect our kids to be able to get the whatever the latest thing is um I was watching something on tv here recently um it was talking about the 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 crazy sale before Christmas. It starts Black around Friday sale. The Black Friday stuff, which is yeah. coming up here because it's this Thanksgiving's Thursday when we're taping this. It won't go out quite 
it'll go out afterwards. But um, and they were talking about the Cabbage Patch doll craze. I don't know if you two remember that. Yeah, I remember oh, I that. Had that. I had Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> I remember. I remember going to a fair Schwartz, which is a, a yeah, very a big toy shop, toy yeah. shop in in New York, because I was living there then, and looking for a niece. Um, for a cabbage patch shop for a four-year-old and stand I mean I I moved out of New York ages ago and it was like crowded even for New York it was you know elbow to elbow and and often elbow in parts of your anatomy it shouldn't be it was it was really difficult um and I was determined to get one because this four-year-old wanted one but she didn't need one no nobody needs those things but the kids feel like they do and and some of that is on the, the, you know, when I was growing up, television wasn't all that, you know, I remember when we got our first TV set. You didn't see that kind of advertisement. It was the BBC, so didn't see ads anyway. But it's so in your face all the time now that people honestly do believe they need mm. these things. And that's it. The marketeers create a need or, or the illusion of need. Right, but they don't do it all by themselves. It's because we participate. Mm. You know, you can't be hypnotized unless you're willing, remember? So I think there's some of it's personal responsibility, which sounds very judgmental, but it is also just taking a really hard, cold look at what do you need. Mm. If this thing is absolutely important to you, fine, but you don't get the other 17 things that's on that really, really important list. Mm. You choose, you make sensible decisions, as you do in everything in life. And that's where going through some of this difficulty can be helpful to mm. kids. Yeah. That they can learn from parents being able to make sensible decisions in the face of difficulties. Mm. And then perhaps in a few generations, we'll get rid of some of this craziness and go yeah. back. But can not I... to the point, not to the point where people are ironing the wrapping paper as they did post-depression, you know, grandparents. Would everything everything got saved? I can remember my mother doing that in the seventies. Yeah, but it yeah. was probably because of her her parents' experience through depression. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, my, I, my mother was born during the uh, no, just just before the Second World War, two years before it. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she you know they oh, were yeah, brought the in real poverty, it. real poverty. Yes, I just Nova. Wanna, yeah, I just want to say I, I've got to say going back to the Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> <laughs> So they bought them back recently, cabbage uh, Obviously, I have to go to toy <laughs> shops for my children. And they bought them back, and they had these miniature ones as well. And I picked one up, and, you know, I smelt it, and the smell of the Cabbage Patch doll, there's a smell to it. Hypnotherapy. Right back. Yep, back straight back. I went straight back to being that child again. Yeah, that smell and it brought a tear to my eye. So all I can say is this: if I got a Cabbage Patch doll for Christmas, I would be very happy because I would just smell it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's true though that smells can instantly oh, evoke memories. Yeah. So every time I go in the toy shop now and I see them, it comes very strange, but I do. <laughs> takes me straight back still got that same smell oh, yeah dear. well on that lovely happy thought it's time to wrap up another episode of two hypnotherapists talking so thanks for coming on over it's been lovely chatting with you i'll let denise thank say the final you. goodbyes yes and thank you everybody and please write to either of us or and in the show notes there'll be contact information for nova too 
um, if you are in dire straits yourself, please contact us. We would be honored to help you figure it out. Not yeah. fix the problem, but help you figure it out. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.